Okay, welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Episode 45 is underway. Welcome back, my good friend, Connor Larson. Connor, welcome for some week eight NFL talk. You excited, buddy? Dude, I'm, I'm happy to be here, dude. We're like, what, halfway through the season now? So we get some midseason updates. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of the way predictions, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I, we have been doing a little bit better in some of our handicapping in our picks and our DFS lineups. And I think what we're seeing is you give us a little bit more data to work with. You give us, we're halfway through the year. We have some data to work with in the 2020 season. And we're going to be able to make more educated guesses on what, what we think is going to be be happening week in and week out. Um, and hopefully we continue to improve upon that. The more data we get along, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. The, the more trends we can see and the more data we have, the, the more accurate our predicted, our predictions are going to be. And we've been pretty accurate so far, considering 70% of our DraftKings lineups between the two of us have cashed in 50, 50. So we're doing pretty well so far, I would say. And I think only things are only going to get better from here. Yeah. I like it. We, uh, in the midst of an exciting season, a lot of crazy stuff been going on. Um, wanted to ask you, did you uh, catch the, the World Series at all? The Dodgers took it. Um, 2020 World Series baseball was an exciting one. The crazy storyline at the end with Justin Turner and the COVID situation. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I caught some highlights here or there, you know. Tampa Bay going with pulling Blake Snell early when he was mowing players yeah. down. I thought it was a bad managerial decision. He's a former Cy Young award winner, but you got to give it up for the Dodgers. They've been in the yeah. World Series, what, three out of the past four years, and it was eventually going to happen for them. But Justin Turner, yeah, mid-game got pulled off the field with a positive test, and I think I saw him in some pictures. He, he did. Here, he, after an hour, an hour after the game, he insisted to go get back onto the field and celebrate with his teammates. He, he refused security and pushed his way onto the field. And like, he was hugging teammates. He kissed his wife. Like, yeah, he sat next to Dave Roberts without a mask on. And one of the pictures, Dave Roberts is a cancer survivor. So I don't know, not, not a good look, but um, you said you, you touched on the story with the Snell pull uh, them pulling Snell. I mean, really advanced stats and, and sabermetrics, quote unquote, the people who don't really understand sabermetrics, that's not necessarily a 100% data driven decision. Uh, people like, I mean, really the advanced stats are going to be taking years and in, in st- they're going to take a step back in, in, because of this decision. I mean, they've, they've lost a lot of the ground they gained because of this, because people see something like this and blame it on the stats that, yeah, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have the best statistics going through the third, the third time through the lineup. Um, but his velocity did dip towards the, his last pitch was his slowest fastball of this, of the outing. Like there were some reasons that to take him out, but you're no, in no way would I ever defend that decision. I mean, I, 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 I like everybody else thought it was the wrong one, but really ultimately like the Rays got to score more than one run to win that game. So they scored, they scored one run. You can't expect to win that one, nothing, you know what I mean? So you could say all you want. Yeah. They took them out too soon, but where's that race offense. And really you got handed up to the Dodgers and they're pitching that staff. That bullpen was electric throughout the entire postseason, And really the Dodgers just proved that they had the most talented roster up and down throughout that whole 2020 season. 
Yeah, I think you're completely accurate in saying that data can't predict everything. You know, at all things analysis, we like to take all things into consideration. And that includes the context of the game situation as well. And so even if a pitcher is traditionally a little bit worse going through the third time around the lineup, if he's just mowing guys down in a high pressure situation and he's a guy who's performed well in a high pressure situation before, Sometimes you just got to let them play and leave the gamers in there. Um, so, you know, data can't drive everything you need to take into context, the situation and, and who you have on the field. But, you know, the Dodgers yeah. won. I don't want to take away from that. I think they won the series in the end. Like you said, you can't expect to win with one run. So got to give it up for the Dodgers. Yeah. It's really championship level baseball was, was played throughout the, that, the last series and just two fantastic teams. Um, congratulations to the Dodgers. And just talking about championship caliber play. I thought that we saw championship caliber play on Sunday night in the NFL. So let's start there with a little bit of some NFL talk. We, we have some plans to go over a little bit of the week seven reactions, as well as some trends to look at going into week eight. So we're going to talk some best bets as well as to our daily fantasy lineup to selections. Uh, Connor and I doing pretty well in those. So you want to listen to that, but Starting with last week's reactions, Connor, the, the, the story of the week seven NFL lineup was that game against the Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals. So let's start there because the 37 34 win that the Cardinals pulled off was really their marquee win of the season and something that the Cardinals are going to roll with going forward. I think that really just that, that NFC West division is ruthless and very competitive. Um, and this game could have gone either way. Arizona was down for a, a good amount of this game, really fought back, proved that they could be down by more than 10 points. One of the few teams that can be down by more than 10 points in, in a game and still come back and win it. And um, I don't know, really exciting football from offensive football from both sides. Really, we didn't see much defense on, on either on either team. So I thought that was a, a, definitely a big takeaway too as well. I mean, either team showing that they will be able to play defense in, in, a, in uh, against an offense that has this much firepower on both sides. The best defense of the game might have come from DK Metcalf, honestly. On, on that rundown <laughs> oh of my Buda God. Baker. Yeah. And, and you know, I was I was looking back at the highlights of this game. People forget so that that play was incredible because not only was it just a, a human spectacle to just see him just pump the legs and the arms and just clearly the fastest guy on the field looked like, like, I, I, it literally looked like a, Usain like Ball. a, it looked like Usain Bolt. It looked like a bats. lion chasing down like a gazelle, like, like just vicious and oh the veracity and the way he just pumps his arms and tackled them like beautiful play so he goes down tackles them right around i think within the inside the 10 yard line line, yeah Yeah. and you know atlanta went um sorry uh arizona went on to turn the ball over on downs on that possession they didn't score so you go down and so you think right at the very least you think that they get three points out of the interception Arizona didn't get anything out of that huge huge play from DK Metcalf that was maybe one of the the best plays of the season and and it was after what a couple weeks after he had the play where he he loafed it into the end zone and he ended up fumbling about a couple yards out because he thought he had a walk-in touchdown so to see that reversal and to see the mindset completely change where he's taking for granted points and then on a completely selfless play where he he doesn't get the stat right he just gets the tackle he doesn't get 80 yards for the reception or anything like that just a pure hustle play saves this game honestly and gives his team a chance 
Yeah, this game was awesome. incredibly exciting. I mean, right out the gate, I was watching the highlights. Tyler Lockett gets a one-handed grab up the sideline. Literally first play of the game. Tyler Lockett goes on for 15 catches on 20 targets, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. Really one of the greatest fantasy performances we've seen in I can't in how how long and how long? I mean <laughs> probably three weeks ago when Tyler Lockett well, did it with three before, touchdowns, right? Right. Well earlier <laughs> before earlier in the day, Devontae Adams with hundred and ninety-eight yards and two touchdowns. I mean, really some incredible fantasy football performances incredible we're, scores, we're seeing. Yeah. Um Russell Wilson coming back down to earth, maybe opening up the uh, opening up the gates for that MVP discussion, a couple brutal interceptions. That one we were talking about already on the goal line where DK Metcalf chased down um, Buda Baker and, and tackled him within close to the, the, the goal line. And that was a, that was an awful throw by Wilson. And then he had another one in the third quarter where I don't know who he was throwing to miscommunication on what with the wide receivers. And it was another terrible throw. So Kyler Murray really out, outperformed Russell in this one. And, um, Russell really opening the door for some potential MVP dark horses. I mean, Derrick Henry has a path, I would say, and Kyler Murray um, with Arizona, if if they could get their way into the playoffs. I mean, Mahomes is always a guy that's going to be there. And then even on the defensive side of the football, I think there's one guy that's kind of differentiating himself on that side in TJ Watt with Pittsburgh. So I think that all of those guys, there's, there's, this is a race for the MVP. I mean, I think Josh Allen's one guy that's kind of dropped out of it, but um I mean, it, it, it's anybody's it's anybody's war at this point, really, it looks like. Yeah, this is one of those things that, that we talked about heading into Sunday. Um, and I had mentioned, you know, watch out for Kyler. He's, he's looking to cement himself in that MVP race. He's hearing everybody talk about Russell, and he's in the same division, and they're going to come head-to-head. And he's had a fantastic season so far as well. And look at his performance. I think he said, I am the MVP of this conference, and it's going to come through me. And he's one of those second-year breakouts that we said we wanted to target coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals, they look more more than frisky that they, they look yeah. like a real contender. This a real, year. real good team. And you know, um, another point with the Cardinals has some fantasy implications. Uh, Kenyon Drake going down for, with it, with an ankle injury. Correct. Is that what he had? Um, yeah, was Florida, leg, I think yep. they said he's going to be out some time. Uh, I, I didn't see that they gave a timetable for that, but he's going to miss some weeks and chase Edmonds is going to take over at running back. And I think that's going to be good for fantasy owners who have, Hopefully the fantasy owners have both of them like the smart ones do um, because Chase Edmonds fantasy owners are really getting probably an RB one the rest of the year. If he stays, if he keeps that starting role, um, we saw the same thing happen to Derrick Henry in the, in the Cardinals running game a couple of years ago or last year when um, he was struggling and then Kenyon Drake came in and took over that role. I think Chase, this could be Chase Edmonds jobs the rest of the way. And um, really a, a little bit of a Ewing theory here, Bill Simmons, likes to talk about it where a team could get better with the losses, the subtraction of a, of a certain player. And I think there's a really a, a Ewing theory here with, um, with Kenyon Drake. I think that both the Cardinals could get better. And I think fantasy owners that had both Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds finally can lock Chase, Chase Edmonds is, Chase Edmonds in their lineup. And he's probably a better player. Um, I've seen Matthew Berry say the same thing. Um, fantasy analyst Matthew Berry say the same thing about Chase Edmonds, where you're probably better off now with with Chase Edmonds in the way in Arizona if you have him yeah I I tend to agree with that because it's a consolidation of touches right so 
Chase Edmonds was getting more of the passing work, whereas Kenyon Drake was getting the rushing work. And now if you consolidate the the two within one running back, you you have a pure workhorse. And so this guy is going to be probably an RB1 moving forward as long as Kenyon Drake is out. Um, we saw Kenyon Drake be effective recently on the ground, and Chase Edmonds has been very effective through the air. And last game after Drake went out, Chase Edmonds was also very effective on the ground, which was a positive step. So if he can continue to do both, yeah. It's, it's a lock it in player into your lineup. Yeah. The Seattle Seahawks this week are going to be facing the, the San Francisco 49ers and the 49ers had a, a, a really interesting game last week against the New England Patriots and the Niners uh, and, and Seattle will, will have a good matchup in week eight, but talking about the, the Niners week seven matchup against the Pats, I think I made one of my most, my most bonehead picks of the year with this. And, and really I got carried away with, by being a Pats fan and thinking, Trust in Bill Pelichick. Always, always got to be like the last 20 years have been, you could never go wrong with betting on Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, especially after a loss, especially after two losses. Patriots now losing three in a row for the first time since Drew Bledsoe was at the helm. Um, What, 2002, I believe they were saying. Crazy, crazy stuff. Lost 30. 203, yeah. Yeah, they they lost, what, 33 to three or something like that. 33 and nine, like just uh, Patriots got embarrassed on both sides of the football out coached out, out schemed out being the defense pressured the quarterback uh, for San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco pressured the quarterback all game cam got benched in the second half in the fourth quarter. It, it was literally just nothing going right for the Patriots and they're losing Edelman now for the, for a good amount of time, had some knees and possibly Nikhil and possibly Nikhil Harry. So Patriots, it's officially time to press that panic button on them. I mean, I never thought this day would come. I never really thought this day would come, but really this, they might be the third, the third best team in the, in the AFC East at this, at this moment in time, they might be, it might be Miami over and uh, Buffalo over New England this for the remainder of 2020. I, I don't, there's not much to be encouraged about for New England unless we see some sort of drastic improvement from Cam Newton, which isn't out of the question, but I don't, I, I haven't liked what I've seen post COVID cam. I mean, really just not, has not been himself since he came back from the, you can't play him right now in fantasy. That's for sure. No, you can't. You definitely can't. It's a complete transition from what he was doing earlier in the season. He looked like he was an MVP candidate and the Pats were going to be right in the thick of things a couple of weeks with COVID and his play is dramatically increased. You have to wonder if there's an impact there. Probably there. I mean, I don't see. I we mean, heard some you, of the symptoms, what it does to the body, so right? If you, you know, that kind of yeah. jet lag feeling, the the mental cloudiness, some of the impact in the organs, and he just might not be functioning at a hundred percent right now. Yeah, and he's throwing balls in the dirt. He's overthrowing players. His ground game still looks fine, but you can't rely on that to move the ball down the field efficiently, especially when you're down. Yeah, really. If if you didn't know, if if the Patriots didn't tell us that Cam Newton was symptom free, and all else equal. I mean, there, he say you didn't even know he was on the COVID list. Say he just had an injury that kept him out a couple of weeks. Like, would we not be, would that not be the only story that everybody would be talking about the Patriots since Cam has come back? The fact that he came back from this, I mean, you say you, we, we'll call it an injury. Say he came back from injury for the last two weeks. He, he hasn't looked the same since he, what the, he was the first, what, three weeks of the season. So all else equals clearly something happened to him 
that is causing him to play this poorly because he did look like he had some juice left those first, those first few games of the season. And so that, that is the only thing I'm somewhat optimistic about, but you know, this clearly is not the season for the Patriots. I mean, the issues go back longer than this this year. I mean, last season, the whole reason why Tom Brady wanted to get out of there, well, the main reason being the fact that they just were not talented on offense, and that didn't get better this year. I mean, freaking Izzo, Ryan Izzo is their tight end. I mean, we went from some of the greatest tight ends of all time, the probably the greatest tight end in Gronkowski, and now we got freaking Izzo catching passes up the middle who has bricks for hands. I mean, I don't know. It's really just some dark days in New England in 2020, and it's just not their season. It's not. And I, I think that the reason for optimism for the Patriots is they're one of the very few teams that has ample cap space going into the, the next season. They have a lot. They're, they're financially sitting very pretty going into next year. And so they do have a lot, they will have a lot of opportunity to tinker with their team in the off season, but 2020 I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm officially like, there are teams that are below them, no doubt, but I'm crossing off the Patriots as Super Bowl contenders this year easily. There's no way they're competing for the Super Bowl. It'll be interesting to see if cam produces like this, how much longer do they wait before they bring in Stidham and they just call it a lost season. And do they actually start to tank? Do do the Pats tank? It's crazy. It, I, I, I mean, there's a possibility. I mean, they could be looking at a pretty good draft pick if they keep losing. Um, let's talk about some better teams. I, I did like what I saw from the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans. A great game. We both ha- had this game when highlighted on our on our Week 7 slates. The Pittsburgh Steelers ended up inching, inching out um, on a winning on a missed field goal from Steven Goskowski, something that we did that I did highlight on the last week's podcast. It stole from Mike Lombardi. We, I, we, I was anticipating that Steven Goskowski was going to have to hit some, some clutch field goals. And sure enough, he ended up missing that. I think it was a, what a 49 yarder uh, for, for the tie at the, at the, at the end of the game and clunked it off the, off the uh, crossbar. And sure enough, the Steelers ended up taking it. And really, I think we saw two teams that, our, our playoff caliber teams. And um, I think we saw that Pittsburgh is really one of the very few team uh, teams in, in the NFL this year that is well-rounded. They do. They are, they are above average in all facets of the game right now. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they have this probably, they, they have one of the two defenses that actually makes major differences that shifts lines. Um, I think Tampa Bay and, and Pittsburgh have, the two elite defenses and there's a pretty big drop off to the next, the next tier. Um, if you were, if, if you ask my opinion on that. So I think Pittsburgh's defense, there really is, is the identity of them, but that offense shows it when they need it. I mean, we saw a great game out of Deontay Johnson. We saw nothing out of chase Claypool, who was the guy over the last two weeks. And we saw a little bit of revitalization of Juju Smith Schuster with a good, with a decent game. And I think he had nine catches um, and in on last Sunday. So um, Steelers really a team that I think, has a, a gear that is a championship level gear. Um, I think they're going to be a team that to reckon with the rest, the rest of the season, if they can stay healthy. Yeah. They're one of those teams with the rare combination of what looks like a talented offense and a defense that has, is actually a shutdown defense. If you go through some of those other top teams, the Tennessee defense does not look as strong. Um, the Ravens have a very good defense. Their offense has not been clicking this year. 
the chiefs are going to be interesting. Um, you know, the chiefs haven't totally looked in sync on offense and that you, you have to think they write the ship there. And at the same time, their defense has actually looked vastly improved this year. So I, I like the chiefs to continue to contend. And then you have the Buccaneers who, who have, when they've gotten clicking the last couple of weeks have, have been one of those teams that look really solid on offense and defense, especially if they yeah, get Antonio you- Brown. You just named basically the top four Super Bowl contending teams, and, and there's a reason for that. I mean, all those teams really have – those are probably the four most well-rounded organizations in, in the NFL this year. Um, really, that Pittsburgh defense, just to, to touch on I, – I wanted to really just highlight some of the greatness we're seeing out of TJ Watt this year. Uh, really making a, a push for that best Watt title. I mean, JJ was incredible. Maybe one of the greatest defensive linemen of of our generation, but TJ man, having himself a career best season of his, of his career yet. But I mean, he already, I think made at least a couple pro bowls and he's the best defensive player in the NFL this year, 93 net rating on the the PFF defensive rankings. Um, Second, is Khalil Mack at 91 and a half and then Miles Garrett at 88.9. So TJ Watt really just head and shoulders above the rest right this year in terms of effectiveness on, on the defensive side of the football. Yeah. That, that Steelers team is going to be fantastic and, and they're going to need TJ Watt to continue to perform, especially with Devin Bush out now. Uh, I think they lost him for the season, unfortunately. So, you know, they, they're going to need some other guys to step up around him. He was one of the, one of the most effective uh, linebackers they had as well. Yeah, that was a good game. The Pittsburgh Tennessee game. Um, I, I caught that was the one I saw the most of, of um, when it was live and um, really just enjoyed enjoyed watching. I thought Tennessee's defense um, is we've already you and I have talked about this is very similar to Seattle's where they're, they have no pass defense at all. I mean, they could at times look straight up confused on the, in the secondary, just missing matchups, missing assignments. Um, double teaming the wrong guys, like defenders running into each other, into each other at times, like just no pass defense and resistance whatsoever. So the Steelers ultimately, I mean, big Ben had a couple bad throws and if I'm the Steelers, if I'm their opponents, that's really the only Achilles heel I see with this Pittsburgh team. I think pressuring Ben Roethlisberger is the key to, um, to beating the Steelers, but to combat that the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger gets rid of the ball faster than anybody in the NFL. I mean, he's gotten rid of the ball. I saw Ben Roethlisberger gets rid of the ball on average 2.5 seconds or less on 66, 66.5% of his, of the Steelers pass plays this year. So that's the best, that's the best rate in the NFL by a wide margin. No other quarterback is higher than 55.7%. So he's almost 10% higher uh, at getting getting the ball out at at the rate of two and a half seconds or less. So you want to pressure Ben Roethlisberger as fast as possible, but he's also going to combat that by getting rid of the ball as fast as possible because he has receivers like Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chase Claypool, who are all physical, fast receivers who can create space right from the get-go in their routes. Yeah, all very good route runners, and those three guys are all very viable fantasy assets as well. You know, Deontay Johnson is one of those guys we said coming off injury, he's kind of a sleeper. And he's probably still a buy low candidate, even after a a, a big game last week. And Chase Claypool is one of those guys who filled in and played really well, but maybe he's not all he's lived up to be as one of those guys who's going to go for 150 yards every week. Yeah. The last game I want to talk about um, on that week seven match slate of games, I thought that a really noteworthy matchup was the Panthers saints game. And 
we did see the um, the Saints edge out the Panthers in that one, but uh, ended up being a really close one. And, and a lot of people had their eye on picking the Panthers in this game. And I was one of the people picking them and they ended up covering and really just saw two teams that I think um, we saw a divisional NFC South battle here. And I thought um, we saw the saints start to show some poise and some championship pedigree. Um, just Bree- Breeze is trying to save his career, really keep his career afloat. I mean, people started to question him, think saying he had the noodle arm and couldn't stretch the field. And some of that's true. Um, but really a, a great, the ultimate system quarterback, just able to sit from the pocket and throw mid range passes better than anybody who's ever done it. Really. I mean, he, he's second in the NFL. I mean, uh, NFL's rankings and the pass yardage. I think Brady passed them earlier in the year. Um, so they get, they go back and forth on that. But showing life was was Drew Brees. And I, I thought people were expecting him to struggle, missing Michael Thomas. And um, who was the other receiver that was out? Traquan Smith. Yeah, but, they, they, and they also were missing Emmanuel Sanders on the COVID nineteen list. Emmanuel Sanders, sorry, not not Trey with Emmanuel Sanders on the COVID nineteen list. Um, he was he was he's relying heavily on Alvin Kamara, and Kamara is amazing. Really, that guy's incredible. He's one of the, he's one of the examples of a running back who deserves to get the money that that the top running backs get. I mean, he's so effective as both a runner and a pass catcher. So that's what really makes him crazy valuable. But did you see that one? The say that the Saints Panthers matchup at all? Yeah, I caught a little bit of that game. Um, you know, one thing I noted was that there's clearly value between DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get the job done as long as he's quarterback. He, he took a vicious hit today into the helmet and he got knocked out of the game against the Falcons. Yeah. PJ Walker won, um, came in. I like him. PJ Walker, the backup in Carolina. I remember when he played with the Houston Roughnecks in the X, XFL, clearly, like, I think he won MVP in the XFL or he would have. I, I didn't finish their season, but he was the best player in that league by far. Like he, he made some really fun plays. I mean, he can run in, he's not the most accurate passer and he's kind of small. So that limits him. That's what kept him out of the league in the first place. I'm sure. But he very, very effective with the feet and uh, can't has a, has a pretty good arm. He could, he could stretch the field, throw some deep passes. Could be interesting uh, DFS play if uh, Teddy ends up missing some time. All right, Connor, let's talk about some week eight matchups. We want to give some of our listeners the best bets of the week that we have. Um, We had a great, I thought we had a great grasp of last week's slate of games and we did, we did pretty well in our picks against the spread. Our our best bet Tampa Bay minus four against the Raiders last week was really ended up hitting big for us. And I wish I put, I wish I put money on that really honestly. Uh, Sorry, I could have won because I, I, I was pretty certain of that one. So I think this week is actually a little bit more challenging slate of games. A lot of great lines, I would say. Like, the, there's not as much value to be had here in, in a lot of these lines, I thought. Um, really kind of consistent with some of my power rankings personally in a lot of these. So uh, I, had a, I had a difficult time trying to map out my best bet because I thought that the value here is limited. But uh, I do love uh, a, couple, a couple picks that we have and excited to try to win some more money this week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we killed it last week. If you consider that Tampa Bay game, I think that was like a twenty point blowout, and then we crushed it in DFS too. Some of our best buys were Deontay Johnson, who had ninety yards and two touchdowns, 
We told people to go grab Giovanni <laughs> Bernard, who himself put up 20 points. So, yeah, we, dude, we actually throw crushed was it. The, and you had the, Harrison the Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, 2,500, <laughs> and he had 56 yards and two touchdowns. He was the best tight end of the week. And it, he was part of the optimal uh, fantasy lineup for DFS. So, I mean, great, great job there, man. We crushed it. Yeah, let's let's try to keep it rolling. So let's talk about this first matchup: Steelers and Ravens. We, I want to bring this one up first because we already hinted at this earlier in the podcast. This is the this is the game of the week. This is the one that everybody. If you're a football fan, you're, you got to watch this game because these are two teams that we could see square off in, late in the postseason, possibly in the uh, AFC Championship game, depending on seedings. Um, but this Ravens Steelers games might be the two three matchup of the NFL. So people thought that we saw the matchup between the chiefs and the Ravens earlier in the year was the one and two matchup for people in their power games. Uh, most people I would say right now have the Steelers and Ravens, at least in the top four for both of them. And uh, we're seeing, a, uh, this is two highly competitive Super Bowl contending teams and I, I, they could go either way. And my pick here is I'm, I, I'm picking the, St- the Steelers plus four and I, I'm taking, I, you're going to give me four points against one of the, for one of the best teams in the NFL, we already talked about a lot of the reasons why I feel that way with Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Uh, you're going to give me four points. I'll, I'll probably take that almost any time any, against any opponent in any in any stadium this year. Am I crazy, Ben? Why why are the Steelers not favored in this game? They're the only undefeated team left in in the season right now. What's what's going on here? It, dude, we may be seeing a little bit of bias for, for Harbaugh in Vegas, in these Vegas lines. I mean, Baltimore has been respected heavily and we've seen it over starting last year with the, with the Lamar mania stuff. I mean, this game is in Baltimore. So they're get, you, you give them about a point to a point and Which a half. I think it's too much. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, in Vegas is compensating about a point and a point and a half in this spread. So when you look at this, this your people are saying that the Ravens are three, two and a half to three points better than the Steelers. And I, I don't see Lamar that. Hasn't I don't see that. Good. These teams are so, are so neck and neck. And you're right. I mean, Lamar Jackson has getting pressured a lot this season and the accuracy numbers are going down because of that. I mean, I think he's that I saw a stat where saying he was pressured on about 33% or upwards of the upwards of maybe 35% of the time when he drops back compared to like 27% last year. And, he his QBR is down. He's not running the ball as much. And I think the league is starting to figure out ways to try to combat the, the problems that Lamar causes with his feet and they're causing him to throw. And the idea that people had with Lamar coming into the year was that his arm wasn't good enough to uh, make people not to make to to gain people's respect and it did last year he threw the ball exceptionally well last year and uh didn't roll it's he hasn't reached those levels of efficiency throwing the ball this season you could look at any stats uh, of how of how qb efficiency is any any qb efficiency stats you'll see this year lamar in 2020 has not been the same qb and and it's possible that it he does improve, but I really don't think that a week eight matchup against the best defense or the second best defense in the NFL is going to be the week where he figures it out. No, I mean, they have Minka Fitzpatrick playing awesome back there who they acquired via trade last year with the Dolphins. And that was one of the mm-hmm. best trades that, that they could have made that defense ever since that has been look, has been looking rock solid. And now we have, uh, a team with Ben Roethlisberger. So they competed last year and nearly made the playoffs without Roethlisberger. 
Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger's back. He's shaking off some rust. He is an awesome trio of wide receivers. Yeah. James Conner is back and healthy. I mean, this team is playing full throttle. They're the only undefeated team in the league. And yet they're not favored in, in the game. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Do the Ravens have one or two losses? <clears throat> one, one. So yeah, g- give me the Steelers easily in a game where they're, they're getting four points for sure. Yeah, I look Lamar has shown some propensity to struggle against the blitz and the Steelers are the heaviest blitzing team in the NFL. So this is not a great matchup for Baltimore. And I I don't see the reasons why they would be heavily favored by three points or two and a half points in this one. Um, so you're giving me pits. I'm taking out the home field advantage with that. So, um, you're giving me four points for the possibly the best or second best team in the NFL. I'll take it. I think that's a great value. I'm, I, I'm so scared of making this my best bet, but I want to for the weekend and I'm not going to just because I respect Baltimore still. And I'm still afraid of what Lamar possesses skill wise. I mean, he could go off any game really. We're talking about all these reasons why he can't, but really Ultimately, it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, we saw all last season why he's one of the best co- quarterbacks in the NFL. And um, there, there's always a possibility that he just goes off any game. But uh, really, Pittsburgh's defense, I'm trusting this season. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to bet on Pittsburgh until I see other reasons why not to. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a smart move. That's a good way to look at it. You know, ride the teams that are hot right now until they show you anything otherwise. So stick, stick with the Chiefs, who have been the best team since last year and stick with the Steelers who have been the best performing defense since last year. Yeah. And now that their offense is back on track, why not? Let's go. Yeah. And the the only concern with the Steelers I have is Ben Roethlisberger and whether or not he he can be efficient and, and avoid turnovers. And I think he will in this one. So give me Pittsburgh plus four. All right, next game, Rams-Dolphins. I like this matchup because it's Tua Tagovailoa's NFL debut. It was first start. Taking over for Ryan Fitzpatrick during the last week, uh, bye week. The Dolphins are heading into a a really tough matchup against a frisky Rams defense. Um, Rams ranking 11th right now in defensive efficiency, according to DVOA. So uh, the efficiency numbers are not fantastic for the Rams, which is voting well for Miami. Miami actually ranks 14th in defensive uh, efficiency. So actually pretty comparable defenses, but the Rams do rush the passer well, and they do uh, have a good run defense. So Tua is going to have to play well for Miami to win this football game. And so the people that are picking Miami plus three are expecting a good performance at a two of two of Tago Vailoa. So Connor, do you see Tua excelling right out, out right out the gate against this Aaron Donald against Aaron Donald in this Rams defense? You know, it, it's definitely a tough matchup and it, it, I could really see it going either way because Tua was so outstanding in college. I mean, he threw 80 something touchdowns to, you know, 10, 11, 12 picks. So, the, this guy's accuracy and his ability to throw the ball is fantastic. It, it was tank for Tua before it was tank for Trevor. So there's a lot of hype coming into this game, but to go against Aaron Donald in that pass rush of the Rams is not going to be easy. And then you have Jalen Ramsey, who's going to match up with probably Devontae Parker and Preston Williams on the outside. It's not, it's not an easy matchup and, and there's going to be opportunities. Um, you know, I like miles Gaskin and Matt Breda coming out of the backfield. Both of those guys can catch the ball, which will give some added value to Tua. Um, their spray coming out of the backfield and, and the Rams efficiency isn't fantastic there. 
you know, we, we also wonder about how much Tua is going to run the ball. Um, we, we have yet to see how healthy his hip is. And, and if he's going to end up running for 40 or so yards per game, that's going to give him a really nice solid base. But if he's going to be more of a, a pocket passer that, that could limit his potential. So I think we're going to get a lot of answers right out of week one, but also we yeah. are, there's a lot of potential oh, upside yeah. and downside going into this game for Tua. It's crazy. It's crazy how, much indication we're going to be expecting this game to have for Tua and at the very least the rest of this season and his success for them and the Miami's Dolphins success. I mean, I hate to put this much pressure and importance on a quarterback's first game, but it's week eight and Miami is in a playoff hunt. Like they're bringing in a talented rookie. Like if he doesn't show out, if he's not the Tua that people expected he would be coming out of Alabama, like Miami could be in some trouble at least at least for this the rest of the season and by no means would I ever place as as much importance on a quarterback's first start and say that this is the end all be all if he doesn't play well this game then he's gonna have a bad career but I would say that this game is gonna be very very indicating on what we should expect to see out of Tua and the rest of that Miami's offense the rest of this year at the very least because this Rams defense is nothing nothing to 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 flaunt at like they're 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 solid. Like they're a good defense. They do cover, they do cover the pass. Well, uh, and Aaron Donald is always a threat on any sort of pressure down to come up with a big play and big stop. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how Tua reacts. I, I lean Rams plus, I mean, Rams minus three in this one, um, mainly because I'm expecting a late turnover out of Tua in the Miami, the, the Miami offense. I mean, Miami's offensive line ranks 30th this year in pass pass, pass block win rate. ESPN has these new analytics on pass blocking and run and uh, and run blocking and, and pass rush and run and run rushing and uh, Miami ranks 30th in pass blocking and the Rams defensive line ranks sixth in pass rush uh, this year. So not thing not stats that kind of bode well for Tua. He's going to get pressured this week. I expect a lot of blitzing out of the Rams defense and I we'll see how how it goes. I mean, it's going to be pretty indicating like I said, Tua is going to have to react and make reads and make quick decisions and it, it I'm not expecting that out of a rookie in his first start regardless of how talented you are. Yeah, he's going to follow in the footsteps of some other pretty talented rookies making their debut this year with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And I think that definitely went into the Dolphins' decision. But yeah. very rarely do we see a rookie come into a, a team that, that's in the playoff hunt, um, especially when he's named over the starter and it's not an injury situation. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Tua, and we're going to learn a lot about the Dolphins this season. You know, we may not learn a lot about Tua's future and he, you know, sometimes it takes time to develop. So even if he doesn't come right out of the gates and playing awesome, um, it's no indication that he can't be great, but we still are going to learn a lot about the Dolphins right away and and what the rest of their season could look like. Yeah, I... I, I think this is going to be a good game. I uh, I think two is going to turn the ball over late in this one. I, I think the Rams cover plus three. I mean, minus three. Sorry. Yeah, I, I lean on the Rams side on this one, too, just because of the unknowns with the Dolphins. But would I be shocked if all of a sudden the Dolphins came out of the gate and, you know, Tua went crazy through for 303? No, I wouldn't because we know he has that type of talent. So for me, I'm mm-hmm. probably not going to bet this game. I'm just going to watch it and have fun. Yeah, let me ask you this. This this question posed very interesting debate, in my opinion. So you'd mentioned that two is amongst a pretty good rookie class of quarterbacks. 
coming into the 2019 college season, a lot of people pretty, that was a pretty sure bet that two would be the prize possession to come out of that, that class. But two, two, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert have been two really solid quarterback rookies quarterbacks this year. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, so let me, let me pose a question for you. Who would you take in a reselection draft of, of that, that quarterback class? Who would you, how would you rank those Tua, Herbert and Burrow? Who would you take first? And how, how would that ranking go for Rev? Maybe give me, give me a rest of season ranking and give me a rest of career ranking. Well, I think automatically you have to put Burrow and Herbert above Tua just because they're they're known at this point. They we've had a five mm-hmm. or six game stretch for both of them, Tua. and yeah. they've both been awesome. For me, right now, I, I lean Herbert. He was absolutely outstanding last week. Yeah. Um, he's he was the number one fantasy quarterback. I think he threw for three or four, and he's been over three hundred yards and four of his first five games. I mean, this guy is incredible. He's on pace for 5,000 yards for 40 touchdowns. And, you know, he's got definitely got the weapons there, but he's also clearly got the skill set, and he's, he's absolutely not afraid to throw the deep ball in big situations. And he's throwing it to no-name players as well. He's, he's throwing it to Guyton and Virgil Green, and he, he's throwing guys open, which you love to see mm-hmm. at the NFL level. He's turned – He's turned Keenan Allen into a bona fide wide receiver one. Yeah, in fantasy football, I mean the the target share that Keenan on, Allen on is, is fantastic, and we we kind of were hesitant to take any Chargers players with Tyrod coming into the year, and the way that Herbert's played is like, oh my gosh, I really wish I had more Chargers exposure. Right on um, Burrow, it's 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 tough to measure because that offensive line is terrible in Cincinnati. So while Burrow looks extremely talented, is making them some awesome throws to. AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. It's just tough to give him the edge when you see the Chargers and they're they're actually competitive in, in winning games. And the Bengals, I think, only have one win on the year, and they've really only been competitive against the, <laughs> the Browns outside of that. Yeah, I'm excited for this matchup. Uh, it is Rams Dolphins matchup should be fun. I mean, watch out for the Heat have come into play with this one. I mean, Miami will have the advantage with that. Just being the home team. There is some home field advantage in Miami. The one, the one twenty-five kickoff PM kickoff for in Miami. It's going to, it's going to be hot. It's going to be the very least. I mean, I'm guessing in the high eighties with some humidity. So uh, look for that to possibly come into play in the second half, maybe possibly see some Rams, uh, some Rams struggles in the second half. So like you said, maybe not the easiest game to bet on uh, handicapping wise. I mean, it's, it's, it could, there's a lot of range of outcomes with this one. Next game though. Let's, let's move on. Seattle, and, and the 49ers, I wanted, we wanted to talk about this one very briefly just because uh, these two teams are very good. And we, t- we already talked a little bit about Seattle. Uh, I, and this one, I, I, again, another game that it, it's going to be more fun to watch this and bet on it because I, either way, I mean, if you bet on the 49ers, you're betting against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, and that's never fun. And you bet on Seattle, you're rolling with possibly the worst or one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, Seattle's pass defense looked atrocious against Arizona last week. I mean, I saw the play, the first passing touchdown for the Cardinals in specific I have in my head. It was up on the, on the right side of the field. Kyler really threw one into the back corner uh, to who was it? Who was it? Um, I honestly can't remember the receiver. Kyler threw one to the back corner. The guy was wide open because the cornerback for 
safety for Seattle just came up and double teamed the guy in the flat. And I was just like, it was literally just like the simplest, like I'm not even breaking the play down correctly, but it's literally just like the simplest of coverage mistakes. And the Seattle secondary is just embarrassingly terrible. And I lean Seattle minus three, if I have to pick against the spread in this one, but really I think this is a tough matchup. And the reason why I'm going with Seattle is I think new England is so bad that 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 win the 49ers had last week is just not impressive whatsoever. Cause I think new England should be losing to any, any D any, new England is a below average team in my opinion. So any average to below average, I mean, above average teams that new England's going to be facing. I think they, they should be taken care of. Yeah. I think my opinion differs a little bit from you, Ben, where I feel more confidently betting on the Seahawks in this one. I think we see a really nice bounce back game from Russell. He very rarely throws three picks and doesn't mm-hmm. bounce back after a game like that. And I don't think that the San Francisco 49ers are on the level of the Cardinals this year um, from an offensive talent standpoint. Well, they are so banged They're up. Very They're so banged, banged up. up. That's, that's, a, that's a big component game. of this. Raheem Mostert's going to miss this game. Jeff Wilson Jr. is also going to miss this game. Tevin Coleman's mm-hmm. not expected to be back. So this team and then all relying, the defensive injuries. relying on Kevin Bourne and Brandon Ayuk. And then obviously they have George Kittle, who's fantastic, but Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't looked very good this year either. And so I mm-hmm. don't, I don't think it's a situation where San Francisco is going to capitalize on the deficiencies in, in the, in the um, Seahawks defense. Whereas the, the Cardinals, man, they were just firing on all cylinders and Kyler Murray is a rock star and DeAndre Hopkins is a rock star. So I, I think this is one where I feel comfortable in the Seahawks being able to outpace the 49ers in terms of scoring. And I feel pretty comfortable at minus three taking the Seahawks. Um, I still think Russell's going to is right in that MVP race and he wants to put himself right back on top of it after this game. Yeah, I, I, I agree with your takes there. I'm just worried a little bit about Seattle and I just don't, I'm not, I'm not as high on Seattle as a lot of people might be. Honestly, that not only is that defense uh, just been so bad this year, the offense did stall in the second half of the Cardinals game. They really just did not, they could, they only scored once in the second half against the Cardinals in week seven. I mean, they scored once after halftime and they, they punted three times and turned it over twice. I mean, Garoppolo is looking a little bit healthier and the 49ers defense is pretty solid this year. Very efficient, uh, dealing with a lot of, a lot of injuries and they've, they've made the best out of it. And so the 40, the 49ers are just one of those teams that are well coached and well schemed and consistent level headed, not too high and not too low. And they're able, they're one of these teams that are able to deal with injuries because of that. Um, and, and like I said, I do still lean Seattle minus three, but I'm not, I'm not confident with it. Okay, next game. I like this one. This is a, a deceivingly kind of a fun game, and you you wouldn't really think you wouldn't really think this normally with these two teams. But the Las Vegas Raiders going to Cleveland against the Cleveland Browns. Raiders are, are favored by two and a half points. They're laying the two and a half to the Browns. And I'll tell you this: I'm probably making this my best bet of the week. Raiders minus two and a half. And let me give you the, the handicap here. So, Oba, Odell Beckham Jr. is out for the season with the torn ACL. We all know. I hate to see it. But really, this is ha- going to have major impacts for Cleveland's offense. And I'm not saying by, by any means was OBJ the, the incredibly effective receiver that he once was, scoring like 35 touchdowns in what, like 32 games, his first 32 games in the seat in the NFL or something like that. Um, crazy efficient with the touchdowns early on in his career. I think he's only scored like 16 touchdowns since that. I heard 
uh, I heard that on a podcast recently, I believe. So OBJ, but the point is he, he's not the incredibly talented, gifted receiver he wants or effective receiver he wants. So let's say that effectiveness, you can't argue has gone down since he's gone to Cleveland um, or at least his last, and starting with his last or, year or, or two. I mean, I don't think Baker's very good. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to place the blame on him. My point is just schematic. This is the situation effectiveness. OBJ hasn't been his same, same self. So, but what this does for the Browns is it, it affects their scheme. And it affects their system. And by that, I mean, the Browns really relied heavy on the threat of a downfield presence with Odell Beckham Jr. And to a lesser extent, Travis Landry. They relied heavily on that threat for their effectiveness of their run, run, running attack. And they're the best rushing team in the NFL. Well, they, I don't know that they're, they still are. That I, I, They've been a little bit inefficient the last couple of weeks with, with uh, just Kareem Hunt and no Nick Chubb. But... They are still a great running team. That offensive line, they have some of the best offensive line ratings in the NFL. And they're going to, they're still going to try to run the ball, no doubt, in this one. Yes, the Raiders. So I do love Kareem Hunt from a fantasy perspective this week. Gave my fantasy, my daily fantasy lineup. We'll get to that. But um, the Browns are losing a downfield threat with OBJ. And I think it's going to have a big, a big impact on their offense. Safeties are going to be able to stay underneath route on underneath routes, aren't going to have to respect the downfield presence as much. And the Browns, are five and two. And I talked about this with you earlier before we, we got on the podcast, Connor, there have been 63 teams with a five and two record over the last 20 years, 63 over the last 20 years. And amongst those 63 teams, the Browns now have the worst point differential amongst those 63 teams. They're at minus 21 in point differential on the season. Really just like winning games by the skin, by the, by the nail, by the fingertips and then had a couple big losses and round the Browns might be one of the worst five and two teams in NFL history. Um, so the, the record isn't, isn't tricking me here and the Raiders at minus two and a half. I, I do. I, I, I just, I, I like the Raiders offense. The car, car moves the ball. Well, they score a lot of points. They they were in that game against Tampa Bay up until the, late in the, in the third quarter um, against Tampa Bay last week the, the Raiders have beaten some good teams. They beat New Orleans at home earlier in the year. Like the, the Raiders are a good team. Uh, they're at the very least they're organized and they're disciplined, which is not something you, you could use to be able to say about them for the longest time. So I, I, I think the Raiders plus 25, I mean, my, minus two and a half is my best bet of the week. Yeah. I like the Raiders to have a nice bounce back game here. I, I like Josh Jacobs to capitalize on, on a weaker defense in the Cleveland Browns. And I think Derek Carr is good enough to get the job done. Um, Cleveland, you're right. They, they're, they're one of those, fake teams just based on the record where you assume they're going to be yeah. better and they, they had the talented good players, last week. but he, he looked good throwing to, to back up tight ends and i don't know i'm just not convinced mm. that that's sustainable for yeah. the rest of the season i'm with you i'm with you i don't i don't see i don't see the cleveland charade it feels like a charade charade i like that <laughs> on ata we're gonna call it a charade I've, I've heard that before. I'm not the first to say that. <laughs> All right, Connor, let's dive into your best bet of the week. I gave mine Raiders minus tw- minus two and a half. You have a best bet in the, the LA chargers against the Denver Broncos. Yeah. How, tell us. I think you, you heard my opinion on Justin Herbert. I think this guy's a rock star and we're going to have healthy weapons for the most part, aside from Austin Eckler for the chargers on offense. 
and their their defense has been playing well, especially well enough to stop uh, the Denver offense that's dinged up. I think Philip Lindsay's out with a concussion, and you know they're still missing Cortland Sutton, who went down earlier in the year. So this is a team that's very limited on offense. Drew Locke it doesn't look like he's the solution there. And for the Chargers to only be minus three, I think Herbert's going to be able to score pretty easily throwing to Keenan Allen. Uh, I love Keenan Allen this week on DraftKings too to to foreshadow a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're they're my lock and best pick of the week. Yeah, let me play devil's ad- advocate here because I've seen on the Athletic they're picking the uh, Denver Broncos to cover the plus three. And the, the reason being is the Denver defense. You touched on it. Their defense is good enough to keep them in games. They keep games close. And I know they, they got embarrassed last week in the snow against Kansas City, but um, the defense is seventh in, def- in DVOA efficiency rankings this year. This year. So like we already said Drew Locke is not the answer for Denver, clearly. The offense is really struggling in Denver, um, but they are healthy on offense. They, they do have all their weapons on offense, except for um, wide receiver. Um, I think Sutton and Lindsey are both going to be out. Sutton. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, is, I saw Lindsey was questionable. Is he out? Well, he's, he's in a concussion protocol. I, I hope he's out okay. for his, his sake. Yeah, so Sutton is still out. He He's out for the season, so they are missing him, but um, they're relatively healthy on offense and the defense has been pretty efficient this year. So that does not bode well for um, the chargers with that. I mean, they do have a young quarterback who Herbert has been excellent and stellar this year, the best rookie QB in the league already. We've talked about, and uh, I do love him. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, but he does take risks. He does. He does try to make risky throws, fit balls in the tight windows, take chances down the field. So we haven't seen that bite him in the ass really yet. It's possible we start to see that a little bit this week. Um, I, it just feels like it should be coming. It feels like there's got to be a rookie game coming at some point. And this could be it. I'm warning you. I, I'm not as confident about the Chargers minus three, but I'll still pick them. Uh, I think that like for all those reasons you said, I think the Chargers are a great offense right now. I, I love I, I trust Herbert. And I trust the offense. I think they have a lot of weapons still, uh, despite Eckler being injured for uh, longer than sooner was the timeable, they said, rather than sooner, they said. Um, but I'm just wary of the Denver matchup because I, it does not, it's a divisional matchup. So you expect it to be close. I don't expect a blowout here. Uh, and if this game ends up being a defensive battle, which it very well might be, I, I lean Denver to having the advantage in that. The one other bet I wanted to throw out there was I don't have a pick for this one that I'm, I'm, I'm confident about, but I do take the, I'm taking the over on 53 and a half in the te- Tennessee Cincinnati game. I'm taking it over 50. I, I'm taking it up to maybe 55, to be honest. I think both these teams ha- have offenses that are going to be scoring a lot of points. Ten- Tennessee's defense is kind of in the same vein as Seattle, just completely embarrassing, just terrible. And um, Cincinnati's defense is by no means any better. Their pass rush and their running attack and is just awful. The run stop is just awful. So Cincinnati and Tennessee defense in general just have been terrible. Burrow throws the ball. I mean, didn't you have a game where you threw 60 times or something like that? Like, I mean, the guy throws the ball like crazy. And uh, I think 
I'm pretty confident in 53 and a half hitting the over on that. Yeah, I feel comfortable on that too. Just knowing that last week, both of these teams played better defenses and both of these teams hit that over. If you think about the the Bengals-Cleveland game, as well as the Steelers and the Titans. So now that you take the the worst defenses for both of those matchups and, and place them against two pretty decent offenses, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of fireworks here. And from a fantasy perspective, this is a dream. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I talking about fantasy. Let's talk about some daily fantasy. Going to the week eight matchups. Um, we let's touch a little bit about how we did last week because I, we did really well. Want to pat ourselves on the back? I think we we nailed it on some of our handicapping for daily last week. Uh, last week and uh, with, t- tell me, uh, remind us what were the results of our, our, our matchups last week? So. Uh, we were three and three on the season between you and I, and you came in with a, a big win in week seven. You put up 192 points, which puts you in the top 10% of lineups. Pretty damn impressive. Say it again. Say it again. 192 points, Ben. <laughs> Jesus. I like the way that. H Christ. <laughs> I like the way that sounds. Joe Burrow put up 39 points for you, and you just go down the board. Kamara, 23. Gibson, 22. Hopkins, 28. Keenan, 26. McLaurin, 22. Harrison Bryant, 22. The only guy you really missed on was Kenyon Drake, and he left that game early with an injury. He only had five, yeah. and then the Bucks had six. I mean, all the way through, you crushed. And then my team was heavily reliant. You had a good lineup. I did too. I put up 170 points. So you can't blame me. I mean, I cashed too. We we both nailed it this week, but you just, you just absolutely crushed it all the way through. So I I had Kyler put up 40 for me. I mean, we all saw that he was the number two quarterback of the week besides uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, And then we had, I had Kareem Hunt 19, DeAndre Swift 15. So the, the two misses I had were DJ Chark with four and Fant with seven, but then Hopkins, who we both had 28, and then Deontay Johnson, who was only 4,200, one of our best values with 29, and then Gio Bernard with 21 points. So, I mean, we, we both killed it all the way through besides one or two small misses. If, if you played our lineups with a small variation, you could have very well made some large amounts of money this week. And if you just yeah. played our lineups, you could have made up plenty of money this week too. <laughs> yeah. So the message is keep listening to Connor and Ben on daily fantasy advice because we're doing pretty well. We're cashing in on 71% of our lineups you you, you mentioned and uh, we're doing pretty good. So let's dive into some of our picks this week. Let's try to win some more money. I like the way that sounds. All right, buddy. Tell me, who do you have at quarterback this week? Uh, so at quarterback, uh, I'm taking one of your guys from last week. I'm going with Joe Burrow. Uh, he's in that matchup with the Titans where we really like the uh, the point total. And uh, he's only 6,200, so he's a decent value there for me. I like the pick with Joe Burrow. I think there's going to be a lot of points in that one. I'm going with Carson Wentz. I think like uh, that Tennessee – uh, Cincinnati game. I think there's going to be a lot of points in Dallas, Philadelphia. I, 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 the Dallas defense is atrocious. Mike Nolan. <laughs> did you see the thing with the hot sauce last week where he had an interview and it, yeah, he had, Oh, I got the Basco. I just had the Basco. It's like, dude, you're just a hot mess. <laughs> dude. Dallas's defense is not going to be able to stop this Philadelphia offense, regardless of whether or not Miles Sanders plays. Um, I, I like Carson once for a big game at 6,200. I think that's a good value. Yeah, I think let's talk about running backs too. 
Let's talk about running backs. Kareem Hunt, I have uh, leaning in the charge, my RB1 for the week. Uh, feels like he could be a, a top three running back this week uh, compared to the other running backs. I think he'd rank in the top three this week. So I saw him priced out around four or five or so, 6,900. I think uh, the matchup against Vegas this week is a good one for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, it's a great number one running back to lead your team. Uh, I myself am going with Josh Jacobs, another guy who's going to get a really good workload. Yeah. And he's in an awesome matchup going against Cleveland, who's the 25th pass the or 25th run defense. Uh, and we, we know that Jacobs tends to perform really well in really good matchups, and he tends to perform really poorly in really bad matchups. And last week against the Bucs, it was a really bad matchup. But uh, in the games where he has performed awesome, he's had five touchdowns. It was just happened to be in two games. I think this is one of those weeks where we can see a multiple touchdown game from Jacobs. I like the Jacobs pick. I think he has good value. How much did you say he was priced out? He's at? only sixty two hundred on the week. Yeah, I thought I, I thought that was pretty low when I saw that. I, I tried to find some space for him, but I couldn't squeeze him in. I, I do like the Jeff, the Josh Jacobs pick. This yeah, for week. a guy who was a preseason RB one in a first round pick, I mean to get him here at only sixty two hundred, I'm pretty amped. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. My next pick up running back. I went with Gio, Giovanni Bernard. You mentioned Joe Mix is going to be out again this week, correct? It's likely he, he missed practice yesterday and today. And to have two full scratches going into Friday, if he doesn't at least get a limited tomorrow, you have to think he's going to be out. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Gio is, is probably like an 80% chance at this point. Yeah, so assuming Joe Mixon is out, I'm I'm confident in Gio Bernardi's floor. Gio Bernard's floor. Gio Bernardi. Uh, Gio Bernard's floor this week. I I feel like given the volume and how many points are just going to be scored in this game, we already talked about. I think Gio, Giovanni Bernard's floor is pretty high. Uh, he's gonna he's a he's a good pass catching running back, and so even if Joe Mixon did play, I mean he's not going to be worth fifty eight hundred dollars, but he could be even worth a flex play in in real fantasy lineups. Yeah, I, I like that move there. Similarly, along the same vein, I'm going for a guy who's a good pass catcher. I'm taking Miles Gaskin. Gaskin's caught at least three passes in every game this year, um, and he's going to get most of the the running back work against the Rams. The Rams are only 22nd against uh, the running backs this year. So in a game where there's going to be a decent pass rush, I like to see Gaskin he get, get behind that line a couple of times. He's pretty shifty. And I also think that Tua is going to rely on some dump offs to the running back in a game where that's one of the more comfortable things you can do. Mm-hmm. I like that pick. All right, let's go into some wide receivers. Um, I started off my wide receiver core with Tyreek Hill for the Kansas City Chiefs facing off against the always Swiss cheese like defense of the New York Jets. I I love Tyreek Hill this week, both in real, I mean, he's in my, in my real fantasy lineup as well as my daily fantasy this week. I think uh, we're going to see, we're bound to see a big play out of Tyreek. I, I mean, he he's due for one of those big long catches, an 80 yarder. So, and I think we could see one of those this week. Um, Tyreek also uh, you look at red zone targets on the year. I mean, Travis Kelsey leads the team with 13 targets in the red zone, but shortly after him, you got Tyreek Hill at 10 red zone targets with seven completions. That's at 70% efficiency uh catch efficiency rating in the red zone so Tyreek Hill doing good work in the red zone so not only do I expect a possibility of a long touchdown catch or a long play out of Tyreek Hill I also love what I'm seeing when Kansas City gets down the red zone Tyreek Hill with four touchdowns uh in the red zone coming this season um so Tyreek Hill really just can hit you from so many different dynamics, kind of what you're looking for out out of your wide receiver one position with a great matchup against the New York Jets. 
Yeah, I like that pick, Tyreek Hill. He's he's always a guy who who is a great chance to to break one and in a great ceiling play. Uh, for me, I'm going with have? another awesome ceiling play, but also a very safe floor. I'm going with the number one priced wide receiver on the slate with Devontae Adams. I just love his volume. Looking at last game. <laughs> There's nothing you can't say bad about this. You could say bad about this pick. Devontae I mean. Adams is such a locket in stud w- without guys like we're, we're not sure on Michael Thomas's health. We're not, you know, De- DeAndre Hopkins isn't playing this week. So I don't think it gets safer than Devontae Adams at the wide receiver position. Um, and then they, you just look at the matchup. They play Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota has been those games are always are high scoring, always and high scoring. Divisional matchup, so it's going to be a fun one. And, you know, if you want to play the other side of the ball, Justin Jefferson might be a good value, but I'm going to go with the safety play. I'm going with Adams. Dude, you can never go wrong with Adams. I saw, I was watching that game last week against Houston and in the first quarter, you could see he had the look on him. I literally t- t- told my girlfriend, Bridget, I was like, I think he's going to catch 200 yards and two touchdowns today. Sure enough, 198 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, the guy looks, he, he's always look, he's got that game when he has that game face on and he, he's creating like he could he, he has games where he creates space every time he, he runs a route every time he's always open basically every time he runs a route in, in some of these games and just an incredible pass catcher. And the other pass catchers I, I, on the Packers are so bad. I mean, Dallas Scantling yeah. drops a ball every other game and, and I don't yeah. see anybody else getting open. And so it's going to just be the Adam show from here on out. Now there's always a drop. There's always drops. You you could count on one drop from MVS or Robert Tanyan or Richard. Uh, I mean, I, he's not Richard Rogers is no longer on the team. But, um, I don't know. I can't even name you one. More receivers than that from from Green Bay. I mean, you could Brown, count on you think, was a guy. Yeah, you could you could count on a, a drop from one of those guys this week. I'm telling you, you could count on one. All right, who else did you have a wide receiver uh, coming in next? I, I I took a guy who I think is a wide receiver one, and he's only at 6200. This is Keenan Allen. So in a game where we like Justin Herbert, I also love Keenan Allen. So in a, in a couple other lineups, I'm probably going to have mm-hmm. that Herbert Allen stack. Um, but he's coming in at 6,200 going against Denver. They're, they're Love the this one. He's, he's target share has been double digits every time he plays with Herbert and plays a full game. So he's a locking in guy with, he's, I think he's going to see 12 or 13 targets, probably gets Easily. eight, nine, 10 catches, a hundred yards and maybe a touchdown. Yeah, I love that one. And um, not really much that can go wrong there. I mean, Keenan Allen, a, a bona fide wide receiver one, right, at this point with Justin Herbert performing as well as he is. I like it, Connor. I'm going to go with Tyler Boyd and my wide receiver two spot for all the reasons we've already talked about with this Tennessee-Cincinnati matchup. Expect a lot of passing in this one. Burrow, the volume is going to be there out of, the, out of that guy. I mean, Joey covers, he's turning into, he covers, helps Cincinnati cover the spread almost every time out. But... <laughs> The uh, Tyler Boyd matchup against Tennessee's passing defense is, is very tasty. I could not pass it up. I love the Keenan Allen pick, but I was willing to spend the $400 more because I think Tyler Boyd could go off for a big game here against Tennessee. Yeah, I love the Cincinnati wide receivers. Uh, my next wide receiver is actually A.J. Green because I'm going with that Burrow and A.J. Green stack. And this was one of those where I was like, okay, I, I love Tyler Boyd. He's coming in in, in in the 6,000s. I love A.J. Green. He's coming in in the 4,000s, and T. Higgins is in the 5,000s, and, and they've really performed on those three tiers this year, and you can kind of mm-hmm. choose, and each one is actually a value at each spot. The way that the yeah. targets are being distributed, they're both likely to get around 10 targets each, and whichever one gets in the end zone, you're going to be happy with. So, yeah, give me A.J. Green at 4,500. Who, who's your last guy? 
Scotty Miller with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You you know, coming into the season, you have these pass catchers on Tampa Bay. You got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement. You got you think you just got these plethora of weapons in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, you'd ask somebody who who do you think was going to lead this receiving core this year? Who do you think is going to be the guy? Who's Brady going to rely on down the stretch? And <laughs> you could you can say all you want about the injuries of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans with the inefficiency, but dude, Scotty Miller is leading this Tampa Bay receiving core in yardage already this year. And there's no doubt his volume is down, definitely going to dip when Antonio Brown comes to comes into town and takes over that slot position for him. But Scotty Miller right now with Chris Godwin, he's going to be missing this game with the thump with the thumb injury. Um, he, I believe he had surgery last week um, to fix the hand problem. Um, but Scotty Miller is basically going to ha- be the go-to guy for Tom Brady, I think, in this one. And for just $4,000, I think he's a great play at a you know, wide receiver three slot here. Yeah, it's a great option with with no Godwin. Scotty Miller definitely sees an uptick in targets, and he, he's already performed well so far. So why not throw him in there at a good value? Mm-hmm. Did we, uh, we, we covered your last wide receiver spot. So let's talk about some tight ends. Yep. At tight end, I'm picking a guy from your lock it in game of the week. So I'm also grabbing Darren Waller. So I have the Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller stack. I think these are the really two playmakers on the Raiders. If we think that, mm-hmm. you know, the Raiders are going to play well here. These are probably the two guys that are going to benefit the most. Uh, I like to see Waller get a touchdown here. He's playing against the, the Browns who are the 28th against tight ends, according to DraftKings ratings. And so I love seeing those green matchups up and down my roster. I love his value at only 5,600. Yeah. I, I went with Waller as well. 5,600. I couldn't pass it up. I mean, the guys that potentially he, he's been in the top two, top three tight end rankings this week in and week out. The guy scores fancy points. Like he's, he's one of the best in the league and at 5,600, that's a good value. I think. And I, like we said, I, I think the Raiders score a lot of points in this one. Yep. Uh, other tight end, other, just to give some other names here at tight end, I did really consider Johnny Smith uh, for Tennessee at 4,100. Like we said, this there's, there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I'm expecting, and I think Johnny Smith, uh, if, if he, I mean, he's set to play. He sat out a couple of weeks uh, earlier, the ankle injury. And uh, came back in week seven, caught just one catch on four targets. I think he uh, was shaking off the rust a little bit in that one. And the Pittsburgh defense, like I said, is one of the best in the league. The Cincinnati defense is much, much worse. So Johnny Smith, look for him to have a bounce back game. He started off the season hot. I expect him to kind of continue that going forward here in week eight. Yeah, he's he's a favorite of ATA. I think Garrett had Johnny in his top five tight ends coming into this year just because of that athletic profile that he has. And he's a guy who's liable to break a long play at any point. Um, another guy I just want to highlight at tight end is George Kittle. We know that Debo Samuel is going to be out in this game and they're playing Seattle. So they're going to need to score a lot to keep up. And if we think that a pass catcher is going to do well, it's probably going to be George Kittle. Yeah. I love he's Kittle. 7, you, I don't know how you can. But if you're going to spend up, he's definitely worth it. Yeah. If you could afford it, if you could fit that into your budget, um, just some other dart throws at tight end. If you want to look at some bargain basement, I don't hate Gerald Everett. If, t- if Higby sits out, uh, sounds like he is, I like Everett somewhat against Miami, um, for the Rams. I also am willing to take a dart throw on drew sample, uh, for Cincinnati for all the reasons we're talking about with that great matchup against Tennessee and the potential volume there. Um, and then also the same guy I went with last week, Cleveland, uh, when it Bryant, uh, it sounds like Austin Hooper's still out. I think he had an appendectomy and, um, 
He's uh, going to miss again in week eight. Harrison Bryant just bound to be on the field and very possible that he catches another tight, uh, another touchdown or two. So yep. that's at 32, at 3,200, you could do worse. Yeah. Him and Njoku seem to be splitting plays and, and Joku also caught a touchdown last week. So he, he he's not a bad well, yeah. throw um, knowing that Odell and Hooper are going to be out. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, let's talk about who'd you go with in your flex. So I have a little fun play here in my flex. I have Lev Bell in a revenge game <laughs> against the Jets. I think that this is one where they get out ahead. They're able to. Dude, take- I wanted to do this. They're- I wanted to do it. I just don't want. I just don't like Le'Veon Bell just because. Go ahead. You have Clyde Edwards Hilaire on your fantasy roster, so you're your completely point. biased. So this is hilarious. <laughs> I have Le'Veon Bell on my fantasy roster, so I'm also 100% biased. But here's the storyline I'm pitching to uh, to the ATA listeners here, the, the Vicious Talk listeners. So Lev Bell, revenge game, okay? I love this narrative. He's going up against Adam Gase, the Gase hole. So he's going to try to <laughs> ram it in there. He's going to get a ton of touchdowns. It's going to be awesome. So they're going to, they, they signed bell because they wanted to get Clyde Edwards Hilaire some rest, right? That, that was key. This is very important for this team. They can't give a guy that size 26 carries. He's not been efficient around the goal line. So they got Lev bell for that purpose. This is a game where I think they get up big and they get up early. So I think they're going to be able to rest Hilaire. He's not going to get a lot of passes. I think it's going to be Lev bell show in the second half. They're going to be able to test out a lot of plays on offense that Lev bell is starting to learn. And he's going to be able to kind of gain some comfortability and what is really a, a matchup against the JV softball team here? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I could ever pick a running back and go wrong again, running back against the jets and go wrong with that. I mean, literally any, 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 you tell me to, they're facing the jets. I'm sold. You got me. I'm sold. I'm in. All right. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is not, is not an exception. I mean, he, he did look decent against, um, against Denver last week in his first game for the Kansas city chiefs. So I don't hate that pig. I just, I have for personal reasons. I I don't think I'll be picking up. (laughs) Who's in your Um, flex, Benny P. Well, dude, I went with a similar, a similar diva in my flex play with Leonard Leonard Fournette, Tampa Bay. Dude, did you see him play last week against the Raiders? I saw the highlights with him. Looks like he really is back and healthy. He looked like he, he was, he caught six passes on the game. I think he rushed 11 times. Wasn't inefficient. He carried the ball well, looked strong, looked quick, had a great burst. I, I, I like Rojo this year for the Buccaneers, but, dude, they have a legit tandem with Fournette back there now as well. I mean, Fournette at 4,900, I decided to slot, into, slot him into my flex. I think he has a potential for a good game. Um, but just to kind of name some other dart throws I considered here in, in my flex option, uh, guys kind of priced out for, below $5,000. Um, I did like, I did consider rugs, Henry rugs, the third at 4,900. I think at 4,900 is not enough value there for me to go with it, but I do like the big play potential out of rugs. Um, but in that same wide receiver core, I also consider Nelson Aguilar, who's actually been the go-to guy for Derek Carr. So honestly, if you're going to go with the Raiders wide receiver, which I don't think is a bad idea. Uh, I think the guy to, to look at is Nelson Aguilar at 4,700. Um, I did consider guys like uh, Noah Fant. I do like, I think he, he could have a big game and then get boosted back up to early, early season value. Um, I did like that Le'Veon Bell pick though. Uh, I just, I can't do it. Can't do it. 
Yeah, a couple other guys uh, for dart throws. Mike Williams is only 4,400. We know his athletic profile. If he catches a long ball, he he automatically becomes worth it. All he needs is one play. Um, another guy I like is Rashad Higgins. So we talked a little bit about how Odell is going to be out. And this is a guy who benefited directly last game. He, he had a really nice game last week. Uh, he's coming off six for 110, believe it or not. So he, he's going to be an automatic fill-in. And... Baker seems to have an affinity for throwing it to these no-name players because I think there's just less pressure. I, I don't know if Baker liked having to force it into Odell or Landry. He seemed to just kind of yeah. clutch the ball a little bit. And you see what he when he forced to yeah, when he forces the ball, that's when he struggles. Yeah. That's when he struggles. So, so I'm gonna probably have a, a couple variations of lineups where I throw Rashad Higgins in there as well in the flex. Um, he's a guy I like this week. I like it, dude. I think we got some good lineups. So in the end, um, I decided to go with Carson Wentz, Kareem Hunt, Giovanni Bernard, Tyreek Hill, Tyler Boyd, Scotty Miller, Darren Waller, Leonard Fournette, and the Buffalo Bills defense against the New England Patriots. Connor, who'd you go with? Picking against your own Patriots, Ben. Oh, yeah. The cam has looked bad. I I skipped by that one. I was hoping you didn't didn't know. I I noticed you didn't go to the D's this week, and I was like, ah, what is he hiding there? It's been a bad, it's been a bad state uh, for in Patriots in New England. Uh, it's just not fun to talk about. I just, I'm not happy about That's it. It's an interesting move. I might have to pivot to that, but uh, my lineup right now is Joe Burrow, Miles Gaskin, uh, Josh Jacobs, Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, Darren Waller, Lev Bell, and the Dolphins against the Rams. All right. That's going to be it for our daily fantasy picks. Our week eight, Analysis, our best bets of the week. Remember, Raiders minus two and a half, Chargers minus three. Connor and I uh, breaking down some great football analysis. Connor, any last words? Hey, good luck, everybody. Uh, Make sure you uh, keep up with the injury updates. Look out for Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon. If you can slide in Jamal Adams or Gio Bernard. And and good luck this week. We're going to be live um, on Instagram or or Twitter. Uh, If you you hit us up, we're there to answer your questions. DM DM all things analysis on Instagram. Connor and I giving out some great advice. We do have, we've been receiving some direct messages from, from followers uh, asking fancy lineup questions, start them, sit them. Should I make this trade? Should I not? Connor and I trying to do the best that we can offering as much statistical analysis and reasoning behind our, the, the recommendations that we're providing. So I think we had some good handicapping so far. Absolutely. In the end, all we can do is give you the stats and our opinion and you have to make the roster decision, but we hope you follow our advice. And if you have so far, you've probably been doing pretty well. Yep. I like it. All right, Connor. um, Let me leave you with this. It's been a crazy year of 2020. We got a national election coming up. All right. Remember everybody, the most important thing you could do as an American is vote, 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 vote. Everybody, November 3rd, get your ballots in. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Just put in a vote. Don't vote for Kanye. That's my only thing. Don't vote for Kanye. Yes. Vote, and vote, the, uh, and vote for people who are actually running for president. Um, <laughs> and w- one thing we like to say is more data never hurt. It always gives you a more accurate representation of what the full picture uh, is. So when we have more data about voter data, you know, who we're actually going to pick as a representative president, we have a truer democratic system and a true representative of who the American people are. So go out and vote, make sure that who is in office is actually your president. Yeah, I like it. That's the best thing you could do as, as a citizen in our country. If you want to be just, a true patriot, absolutely. Do your civic vote, duty, go out vote, and vote. vote. Put your, 
Yep. I like to take the time to do it. And uh, remember, Connor, I had a great time talking some NFL football with you this week. And remember, have a great week, everybody. Go out. Remember to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? Yeah.